Welcome to the First Baptist Church of Lavernia Sermon Podcast. If you have any questions about what you hear, or if you would like to speak with one of our pastors, you can find all of our contact information at www.fbclv.com. Have you ever had somebody tell you not to do something, and simply because they told you not to do it, you felt this internal need that you had to do it? Almost like the proverbial big red button that has a sign that says, do not push the red button, and everything within you goes, oh, I gotta push it now. And sometimes we have this defiant attitude because maybe it comes from someone in a place of authority, like maybe a boss, a parent, or even sometimes kids try to tell their parents what to do, and we go, well, you're not gonna tell me what to do, I'll do whatever I wanna do. Other times it comes from a place when somebody says do not do something as though maybe it's just a bad idea, right? Don't do that, it's a bad idea, you shouldn't. Don't, you don't tell me what's a bad idea. I know the difference between a good idea and a bad idea. Or sometimes it's a don't do that, it's not even possible, you shouldn't try. And then it becomes a double dog dare me then, watch me now and let's see what I can do. And I wonder if anybody told this fella here that he shouldn't ride his ATV through this water before he did it. Mm-hmm. Tell me not to get through there, just watch this. I'll show you. Look at that, I made it. My bad, guys. <laughs> You're right, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Don't ride through there, don't go on that side. It's not a good plan, stay away. You don't tell me what to do, I'll do whatever I wanna do. You were right, shouldn't have done it. That hurt really bad. So many times people say, do not do something, and immediately we are defiant, we are defensive, and yet in scripture, there's many passages that say, do not do something, and instead of being defiant or defensive, we need to be grateful because all the scriptural do-nots are for our good and for our protection. This morning we continue our series called Seven, walking through John's letters to the churches in the book of Revelation. We're gonna look at two letters today, one to Smyrna, one to Pergamum, and we're gonna see three do-nots that John writes to them, there are three do-nots for us as well. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in Revelation chapter two. If you do not have a Bible and you'd like one, any of those Bibles there in front of you in this room that's black, you can take that and that can be your Bible. Put your name in it. Our scriptures are always on our screens. Revelation two, we're gonna go eight through 17 today. The first, do not, do not fear the suffering. You may or may not have noticed that it's a bit, just a teeny, teeny bit warm outside these days. And I'm super thankful that I have a job where I work indoors. The Lord bless all of you who have to work outdoors every day. It's unbearably warm. But even in an air-conditioned office, sometimes it gets a little bit stuffy. And so I like to have a little bit of airflow. So I've had a lot of meetings or people in my office. It gets a little warm in there, even in the air conditioning. So a couple of years ago, I bought this little bitty fan. And I put it on my desk. It just plugs into the USB, but just gets some movement. 
And I don't know if it's that I'm getting older and I'm having hot flashes, or if it's just warmer this year than it's ever been before, but the little fan has not been cutting it, and I've been finding myself getting closer and closer to the little fan, to where I'm having meetings sitting like this, right, with my face next to it, going, whoo, that feels really good. So I decided that it was time to end this, and it was time to upgrade, so I bought myself a new fan. Look at that. Now, it looks gigantic on here, but it's not really all that big. It's like this, but that turbo fan will blow enough wind that when you put it on high, I can't even open my eyes. <laughs> my hair blows everywhere in the wind. It's incredible, but let me go back to the preface here of the reason that I had to buy another fan. It's because I was suffering from not enough motion and wind and movement in my air-conditioned office. What a sad life that I live. And isn't it true that we often skew our definition of what suffering is? Well, so you'll never believe what I had to do today. I went to get gas, and I had to wait for four cars to get gas before I could. It was suffering. I went to Chick-fil-A, and they would only give me one sauce packet for each of my 12-count orders of nuggets. Suffering. I got on Amazon and all the things that I ordered can't be here for two whole days instead of being delivered today or tomorrow. This is suffering. Kids, moms, dads getting ready to go school clothes shopping. Mom only let me buy two pairs of shoes this year instead of seven pairs like all my friends are getting. I'm suffering. When 99% of the world would consider the things that we say are suffering to be a privilege or a joy only for the wealthy. And so this letter begins talking about what suffering really looks like. Revelations 2, verse 8. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. So we saw in our first week of this series, week before last, that when he says to the angel, we don't know the exact meaning of this. It could be to an angel that is set to take care of that church. It could be to an elder, a bishop, a pastor who is overseeing that church. It could be to the angel who is the messenger for that church. But either way, this is from the first and the last. Smyrna would often call themselves the first because they were the first in beauty and they were the first in emperor worship. And so this is a reminder here that Jesus is the first and the last who died and rose again. Verse nine, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. I know all about the persecution, the hardship, all the tribulations that you are enduring in your life. And even though you have nothing physically, let me remind you that spiritually and eternally, you are rich. And the ones who are doing this to you, they may say they are Jews, but they are not. They are only a synagogue of Satan. Verse 10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown 
of life. Don't fear what's coming your way. You're about to suffer even more than you have been. Some will be thrown into jail and into prison. Some of you, even their lives will be taken. You're gonna be tested as to whether or not you will stand fast. But what you've been going through, don't be surprised if it gets worse before it gets better. But do not be afraid. We're reminded of the words in Matthew 10, 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the body and the soul and the body in hell. Verse 11, Revelations 2. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Remember, he says, let him who has ears hear. That's saying, pay attention to this very closely. This is important. Those who conquer, those who overcome, those who stay fast, those who fight the good fight all the way to the end, they will not experience and do not need to be afraid of the second death. And so what is the second death? Revelations 20 gives us a picture, verse one through six. And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years. He threw him in the pit, he shut it and sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer, until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. For those who had not worshiped the beast or its image, who had not received its mark with their foreheads on their hands, they came to life and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such second death has no power but they will be priests of God and of Christ and they will reign with him for a thousand years. It's a picture of what is to come in the end times and it talks about the serpent and it talks about the chains and it talks about the thousand years. And the second death means this, our first death is our physical death. Our second death is eternal separation from God forever. It's the lake of fire, it's the place of Hades. So he's saying, you don't have to worry. He says, blessed are those who die for their witness for Jesus. Blessed are those who overcome and hold fast. You do not have to fear a second death because nothing can ever take you away from the love of God. He says, I see your suffering. And I don't mean suffering in the way that we joke about it, saying, well, the Lord's called me to move to Florida and live on a beach and sell snow cones. I'm suffering for Jesus. The Lord's called me to move to Hershey, Pennsylvania, and I'm gonna be a chocolate bar taste tester, but I am suffering for Jesus. He's saying literally those who are being betrayed, beaten, slandered, imprisoned, and murdered. Those who are giving real sacrifice, do not be afraid. He says, have the attitude of Paul that says, you know, to die as Christ, to live as gain. The attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that says, I don't care what you do, 
I'm only going to serve the Lord and to have the courage to say it doesn't matter what you do to me physically, there is nothing that you can do to me spiritually or eternally to ever take me away from God. And maybe in your life, you would say, I'm really feeling persecuted and I'm really walking through a hardship right now. And so this letter to you would say, keep fighting the good fight. Don't give up the faith. Don't quit. God knows exactly where you are and he sees you. Or maybe you'd say, I don't really feel like I'm going through any persecution. Everything's great in my life right now. They would say it's coming. The world that we live in is gonna get a lot worse before it gets better. When that day comes, you stand firm. Do not, number two, forget the scriptures. He continues to write to the church now of Pergamum. Verse 12. And to the angel of the church of Pergamum, right? The words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. Now, Pergamum was a place of very strong pagan idol worship. They had temples for Augustus, for the goddess Roma, an altar for Zeus. They had all kinds of idol worship, and they were a place that allowed corporal punishment that was symbolized by the sword. So it says here, Jesus is writing, who will come with a sword that is double-edged, the word of God stronger than any blade. Verse 13. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast to my name, and you do not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. He goes, I see where your home is. I see where you live. You're amongst idol worshipers all the time and the very den of those who love the devil. And even when Antipas was killed for his faith, you didn't waver. We hear stories about martyrs. And we read about Christians in other places who die for their faith. But it'd be a different story if it was somebody in our congregation. It'd be a different feeling for us if it was somebody who sits in these pews every week and their life was taken because they put their faith and trust in Jesus and they proclaimed his good news. It would become a little bit more personal when it's somebody that you know. He says, somebody in your very midst, Antipas, his life was taken because he served Jesus. And your faith didn't waver. You were not afraid. You weren't scared. You didn't shut down. You didn't run. You kept on worshiping. Verse 14. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. So they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also, you know, you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. So in Smyrna, he doesn't give a rebuke. He just gives them an encouragement to Pergamum. He says, here's something I see that's an issue within your church. Some still hold to the teachings of Balaam. And so if you think back to Balaam, he was a prophet. And so Balak reaches out and says, hey, Balaam, I want you to come and I want you to curse Israel because they're really powerful. They're going to come in here and take over everything. So curse them. And Balaam was like, I am definitely not going to do that. But he ends up going to be there, and the Lord says it's okay for him to go, and he's on his donkey. And remember, Balaam's donkey spoke to him because he saw the angel with a flaming sword. The donkey saves his life. And so Balaam says, I'm not going to speak anything against the people of the Lord. And he goes and he gives three oracles, blessings upon them. But then somewhere down the line, Balaam does say to Balak, listen, I'm not going to curse these people. They're God's people. But... 
if you really wanna get them, here's a secret backdoor entrance. You could probably tempt them with eating food, sacrifice to idols, and I bet you could get them to participate in sexual immorality, probably some type of pagan temple prostitution. And so Balak does that, and he tempts them with these two things, and the Lord sees that they were disobedient, and on that day he came and brought judgment, and 24,000 Israelites died. But somehow they didn't learn their lesson, and they've continued these practices, and maybe what it sounds like or what it looks like to them is they say, Lord, we're doing all the things that you want us to do, but there's just a couple of things that we're not going to do the way you want us to, but it can't be really all that important to you because, Lord, it's just meat. It's just meat sacrificed to altars, I mean, false gods on the altar, but Lord, think about it this way. Have you ever tasted a tomahawk that's been sacrificed on an altar to Zeus? It's incredible, Lord. Like we're talking about smoked with hickory wood. It's reverse seared with some butter and herbs on top. It's the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. And a tomahawk's a tomahawk, Lord. No matter who it was cooked to, it's still just meat and it tastes amazing. So are you really gonna be upset about something like that? And Lord, all this sexual immorality with these temple prostitutes, we're not really hurting anybody, God, and this is something that they practiced in their own life and in their own religion, and you told us, right, like Paul, to be all things to all people, so we're just gonna participate in just these two little things, eating of the altar things, and it won't really affect anything with us or with you. And God says, yeah, it doesn't work that way. You don't get to pick and choose the things that you want to do and that you don't want to do, and you don't get to change God's word. You don't get to change the rules. You don't get to change the commandments. You don't get to change them to suit your own needs, your own wants, and your own desires. So he says, hear me very, very clearly. God sees you. He sees exactly where you are. He knows your circumstance and how hard it can be, and you're not always going to like it. But he has you there for a very specific reason, so you have to trust him. You don't get to change the way things are. You don't get to change how you behave just to make it easier or to make yourself happy. Every time that you try to be selfish, Every time that you try to change God's word and God's rules and God's commands and God's plan, you'll find yourself in a place that you never wanted to be. Do not fear the suffering. Do not forget the scriptures. Number three, do not filter the simplicity. So we use filters many times online when we're searching for something. If you wanna go on Amazon or you do a Google search, you can put a filter that says, only show me things that have been you know, created within this time frame, or I'm searching for something that's only of this color. You can do a filter on a new car search and say, I only want white cars with gray interior with a V8 and 19-inch wheels, and it filters it through there and only shows you the things that you want. We put filters on our air conditioners and filters on our oil, filters on our water, and it filters out the things that we don't want, only gives us the things that we do. Many times we try to put a filter on scripture, and we say, I'm gonna filter this out so that I only get the parts that I want, I can leave all the rest behind, and it doesn't work that way. Verse 16, therefore, repent. 
If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. Repent, turn away, change your actions, and do not return. And if you don't, I'm coming. Not talking about the second return, but talking about a divisive judgment against you. I'm gonna come and I'm gonna hold you accountable. Verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone. And no one knows except the one who receives it. He who has an ear, let him hear. To the one who overcomes, I'll give three things. Hidden manna, a picture of grace, provision, faithfulness. A white stone often given to victors of Olympic games, which would give them an entrance into the banquet. A name that no one knows could be the name and the power of Christ, or could be a new name that God gives them all three different types of eternal blessings and rewards reserved for those who persevere and overcome. He says, you choose to live in sin and disobedience. That is not okay. So here's your warning. Repent. Turn from it. Get back on the right track. He who has an ear, listen. If you're living in sin, it's time to stop. No more justification, no more excuses, no more comparisons, no more saying, but God, if I'm like 80% in and only 20% out, isn't that okay? And says, no, you're either all in or you're not in at all. Repent and change your life. And if you do, the Lord says blessings will come. And if you don't, he says disobedience always results in consequences. So let me give you something better, something way better than a tomahawk that is sacrificed on an altar to Zeus. He says, I'll give you manna that comes from heaven. Something so much better than an invitation to a pagan festival, I'm gonna give you access to the eternal banquet and glory. Something so much better than a name for yourself among people or among pagans, I'm gonna give you a name that nobody else even knows just for you. These are worth living and dying for. There's a picture that I've seen for years probably and it has these two dogs together, and it'll be like a little cartoon strip. And one dog says something, and then the other dog always responds with, don't do it, don't say it, because he knows what's coming is gonna be something silly or something goofy, so he's going, please don't, people use this all the time, so it looks something like this here. Top dog be like, hey, I tried to catch fog yesterday, so the middle dog, please no, missed. Like I tried to catch the fog, but I missed, like M-I-S-S-E-D, but missed M-I-S-T, because that's like fog. Maybe second service will get that better. <laughs> so they'll put these funny pun jokes on here like this, and every time, the first dog's going, hey, I got something to say, and the middle dog goes, please don't. I've had enough, I don't wanna hear anymore. They're always terrible. Do not finish the joke, I don't wanna hear it, because he knows what's coming. And so here John says, here's some things that I'm telling you, do not do, because I already know what's coming because the Lord showed me. Do not fear the suffering. This isn't just a letter written to the churches of Revelation, this is written to us right here, right now, 
today. Some days suffering is gonna be worse than other days, but all suffering for Jesus is worth it. Do not forget the scripture. Evil is all around us, and it always has been. False teachers are everywhere. Know the word, obey the word, apply the word, and you will overcome. Do not filter the simplicity and the truth of what God tells us. This is as simple as it gets. If you have open, unrepented of sin in your life, stop it. Repent and turn away. When you live in obedience, blessings await now and in glory.